Dean Dark is an absurd, over-the-top comedy horror adventure that is intended for older audiences. Content warnings can be found in the episode descriptions. So, Aaron, now that you're off by yourself, what was the sneaky thing you wanted to do? All right, all right. So, Phantom's going to pull a stunt. I would like to attempt to compose a song into the Necronomicon. Interesting. Before I have you roll anything, I want you to just describe to me what that looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've talked to Marlo and Maledict about the relationship between vampires and hell. And I'm thinking about how there's all this abyss power and stuff like that and the wolf and whatnot. So I was thinking, what if this song could like just tear open a hole in the abyss, pull it from like somewhere else and then just blast it or just release a bunch of shit into the world? Hopefully to kill Dracula. Roll performance. 17. Interesting. What I will say, that song that you compose and send into the Necronomicon is loaded up. (laughs) I'm very excited. I will not tell you what the outcome of this is going to be because I also am not entirely sure what the outcome of this is going to be just yet. (laughs) (laughs) But for better and for worse, that song is loaded and ready. Wonderful. I'll slink back to the group. Hello and welcome to Dean Dark, a comedy horror adventure real play podcast loosely based on Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition and starring some of history's most infamous monsters. I'm Danger Dangers and I'm your host slash crypt keeper. Hello everyone. I'm Aaron. I play the Phantom of the Opera, our bard. Last time uh, we got saved by Maleva and we pulled up into our old town of Stratford. Maleva tried desperately to reach out to Phantom, but he's a prickly little pair. <laughs> uh, and then Phantom slinked off to do some shady shit that I'm not going to disclose because the party doesn't know what it is. And uh, now we're hanging out, having a grand old time. There was a weasel. Oh, yeah. There was two weasels. <laughs> I am Grayson. I played Jack Griffin, the Invisible Man. Party's rogue. Uh, last episode, Jack didn't do a lot. Uh, he was able to get a scroll from Maleva, and uh, we're going to be sent off to, I think it was like the masquerade thing. So, yeah, we're going to be looking forward to that. Hi, everyone. I am Ben Magnet. I play Mary Frankenstein, the party's barbarian. And last time, thankfully, we got out of the mob infested streets of London and into the not so mob infested, but tensions are high that you could cut it with a knife infested streets of Stratford instead. (laughs) Yay. Whereas I was finally able to tell the party that during my experience getting out of the serial plane, giggle. I told him that once I got out of the serial plane, I had a uh, weird communion with my mind flayer creator slash father, Victor Frankenstein, who told me he was making me a bride so I wouldn't have to be alone. And I finally tell the party this information. And also I tell Maleva where to find Victor Frankenstein, give the journal back to her to give to him. And things are odd for Mary right now. And he tried to get Imhotep's bones out of the bag of weasel holding, but unfortunately, I had to be the one to roll bad, so his bones turned into frickin' weasels. Oh, and also I pledged to uh, Gonzo and the rest of the citizens of Stratford that if something were to go down, we'd be there to help him out. And, uh, yeah. Immediately reneged on it. (laughs) Yeah. 
Hi, howdy. My name's Jordan, and I play Larry Talbot, a lycanthropic warlock. Last time we made our escape with Maleva, Larry finally got to have a good heart-to-heart with her about how the wolf is his responsibility and not hers, and she should just keep herself safe because he really cares about her. She's really the only family that he pretty much has left. We sent her to, of course, uh, Victor Frankenstein's. Hopefully she makes it there okay. Then we made it back to Stratford and found all of our beloved characters in kind of a political dispute of whether to be for or against Dracula. We managed to sneak our way past all of that and sort of hunker down here. Uh, Some weasels got loose. Uh, We also got some information on our next location about Windsor and there being some weird vampire activity there. And Marlo's going to join us to Windsor. I'm so excited for that. But now we're all going to hunker down until that event starts. So we're going to try and keep a low profile. Ah. I know. We're going to try our best. (laughs) Low profile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we already bungled that up. It's fine. (laughs) I don't know that such a thing is possible. Hi, everyone. I'm Janae. I play Carmilla Malarka Karnstein, our blood hunter. Uh, Last time we rolled up to the village of Stratford, uh, only to find that... She had been completely erased from everyone's minds, including uh, her new girlfriend, uh, Gonzo. One might even call her her hen. My hen. Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) How are you, hen? (laughs) Too bad your relationship is Gonzo. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, That was not too soon. (laughs) All I have to say about that, um, Aaron one, Janae zero. Wow. Oh, no. oh, wow. You know, I was going to make you roll for psychic damage, but I think Ben's comment is worse. <laughs> Hi, my name is Daniel Cruz. I'm playing Imhotep the Mummy, uh, currently a human cleric of the Death Domain, pushing a very large boulder out of a very not nice place. And um, last session, I met with some very slimy, greasy cats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you did. Also, unbeknownst <laughs> to Imhotep, his body was turned into weasels. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as I was saying, the uh, the greasy cats uh, greased my ball and it rolled all, all the way back to Asmodeus. So I got to go do that. Oh, my God. I'm going to keep my comment to myself. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so uh, on that note. You <laughs> <laughs> see, we're all in rare form today. Let's start with Larry. Go ahead and draw your card of the day. My card of the day is strength. So for strength, I gain an additional plus one to my strength modifier, and I am considered proficient in all saving throws. All right. So floor is yours. What do you want to do? I want to go over to the building that Mary's in that uh, I previously saw the weasels come pouring (laughs) out of. And I want (laughs) to, I want to go up to the door and I don't want to open it. I want to knock first. I'm just like, um, Mary, can can I come in? Are you good on Uh, weasels? Yeah, you could come in, Larry. They're back in the bag and now it's going to lock the door before I try it again. Okay. Um, yeah, I just, you know, it's been, I think, literal weeks since we really just had a chat and I just wanted to check in with you and see how you're doing. Honestly, my friend, I'm not doing too well. And you know, I don't blame you. Your whole life has been this. It's been crazy, just insanity nonstop and just not a friendly face anywhere. But 
I don't, I don't know, Mary, the, the way you've handled the situations we've encountered, it, it impresses me every single time. I mean, hell, when we encountered Victor, and I'm, I regret that we couldn't really talk it through sooner, but even till the, the bitter end with him, you, you chose the pacifist route, and yeah, I mean, hell, you've been a better man than me at some times, and I just, you're only two. It's, it's, it's spectacular, and I just, I can't, I really hope I get to see where you're going to be at when you're like, I don't know, 10? Anyways, I just, I know life has been really, really hard for you, and I just want you to know that you've handled it spectacularly, and I'm just, you're just a spectacular person, and I hope you know that. I appreciate that. Honestly, Larry, you might have not said those things if you know me a little while after I came to. When we had our encounters with my father, Victor, a small part of me did want to just beat him down, drive him senseless. But at the same time, I just wanted to show him that I could be better than he thought I could be. And maybe the reason why he's making me a quote-unquote bride is so that when he does eventually go away, I would have someone to be with me. Even though I have all of you, which is why, which is why I gave Phantom the Black Eye. When he fell and Imhotep took his place, I lost a friend, and after losing my first real friend, Mary, my namesake, I don't want to lose any of you, and I am quite literally ready to go to hell and back to get Imhotep back, but I'm just so tired. I am so angry that when my friends need help, when something happens, I feel that there are so many times that I, my brute strength is never enough. And it makes me upset. But also, I guess it somehow steals my resolve to keep fighting, to keep traveling with you all. And I guess in a way, I just don't want people to fight anymore. I've never told you what I felt when I found her at the stake, did I? Your unbridled rage. After I fended off those who hunted me down in the woods and I saw her bones at the stake, the embers just... I want nothing more than to destroy everything in my path. And I did. You think we have destroyed holier places before? You should have seen what I did to that building. And I did it all by myself. In that vengeance, when I finally ended my rage, I realized the monster that I truly was. When Carmilla mentioned that we'd seen the angry mob back in London when Dracula came back, I didn't want people to think of me like that anymore. I'm not just some monster that a madman created in his attic. I am... I am me. And while this is an uphill battle for us to fight... I know we can show the people of the world that we are not the monsters they think we are. But even if we do that, and they still think that we are nothing but creatures of the night, that we are nothing but horrific monsters to fear, to be feared and loathed, well, damn it. That doesn't mean I'm not going to stop fighting and make sure that they don't die. It's a very fair point. I mean... 
Like I said, as much as I know about what you've went through, your life has always been this. I don't know if it's better or worse that before I became a, a werewolf, I knew a life of normalcy. And so now going through it, I know what it's like to not have that. I don't know if that's better or worse than never knowing it. But you say that you've you've done terrible things in the past as a way to get back at the world for being unnecessarily cruel to you. I think a lot of us here, I don't know everyone's stories. I don't know everyone's histories. I really wish I got the time to, to get to know Well, everyone. you essentially know all of mine. Like you said, I'm only two years old. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess that's one advantage of uh, being the youngest. There you go. <laughs> so you don't have that complicated, just so many years of so many little mistakes. But I think one thing that kind of binds us all together and that we all have in common is that we've done things in our past that we regret. And I think as long as we move forward and we try to take responsibility for what we've done and try and make the world a better place, regardless of what we encounter going forward, I think that's all we can do. Like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to go back to my life of normalcy. I Maybe what we need is a new normal. While I have a feeling that I'll never get back to the nice, peaceful tranquility I had in the few weeks in the forest when Mary would come to visit me, I would like to live in a time where we're not always running or fighting or having to deal with uh, men with fangs for the rest of our lives. <laughs> Although I do have a feeling we'll have to deal with someone with fangs for a while, but even though she might not think it, there's good in her. As there is good in you. And even though it's under a lot of porcelain masks, there's good in Eric. Uh. <laughs> oh, he's a tricky one, isn't he? Good yeah. lord. Yeah, but I don't want him to suffer. And like I told Jack about helping find his calm, I'm going to stick by it. I think all I really just want in this world is calm. And if I have to get bloody and fight to do it, I'm going to do it. And if there is anything that pops up that disrupts the calm of my friends or the world, I will, I guess, answer the call and pick up arms once more. I mean, you are only two. <laughs> and part of me really cannot wait to get our dusty friend back. I think we have the means. I don't know mm -hmm. what it will entail. Um, but we might need to get... The book from Eric. And I don't know how easy that's it's going to be. It's probably going to be hard, but first things first. Larry, I could use your help with something real quick. Oh, yeah? What is it? Yeah. Uh, lock the doors. Make sure the windows are closed, because I'm going to try and get Emotep's bones out of here. If they turn the weasels, I don't want them causing chaos around the town again, because I want to <laughs> get everything out of this bag. I just don't want to deal with these damn weasels anymore. <laughs> you got it. But also, there's one other thing i want to have this bag and i'm i'm going and i'm closing uh the shutters of the window and locking the door and i go oh uh, what's that ordenberg's lightning javelin Ooh. it's in there and he had some atone attunement he was it was drawn to him he was able to use it and i have a plan now all of our fights I would rush in, sword drawn, ready to cause as much chaos and trouble as I possibly could for our enemies. And sometimes it worked out, sometimes it hasn't. But a lot of times when 
Inmotep or Eric would cast that spell, heal wounds or whatever, it won't work on me because I'm, well, me. I mean, you've helped as well, don't get me wrong, but I can't always count on you to do that for me, so... Right, unfortunately, we seem to be on the opposite sides of very yeah. large maps <laughs> every time you need help. Yeah, I, don't get me wrong, <laughs> your help has always been greatly, greatly appreciated, but there's something for me to do. I'm not a church man, I'm not a holy man, you know me, I don't really believe in the Christian God or if there are any are gods, but if there's something within that javelin that it could help me, I am going to try and see if I can, I don't know, commune with it, make it so I could use it, so I could at least have something to help me out in fights to come, because after what Dracula did and what he could do, I think for the first time in a long time, I am truly scared of what could happen. I understand. When we were in the basement of Warwick Castle, I thought that I was going to transform into a wolf and that was going to be our golden ticket to get everybody out there scot-free. And even when I pulled out the biggest gun I possibly have and did everything right, it didn't it didn't work. But that's neither here or there. Um, when I, I grew up, I my family was a bit religious, but I don't know, I've kind of fallen away from that since I've become a terrible, horrible monster thing. Uh, but I think at the core of it... I don't think it's so much as a, you got to reach out to a deity or a big, terrible force or anything. I don't know how much religion Vordenberg, how religious he really was. I don't know. But for him, it really feels like he pulled out uh, something within himself. He called it vengeance. Um, but I don't know. Above table. For anyone unfamiliar with attunement, it's a rule that I've largely been ignoring for this podcast. There are certain powerful items that require you to attune to them, which really all that typically entails is spending a good length of time with the item, basically in a deep meditative state to try and form a connection with it to unlock greater power from it. Um, I've been using curses largely as a way to bypass that, <laughs> but in the case of Vordenberg's lightning javelin, it is an item that requires attunement in order to properly use it. But yeah, I don't know if you can just find something within yourself. Uh, you you are a very strong person, and I don't mean just strength muscles-wise, but there's some determination within you that's very strong, and I think, I think something within there is your key. Maybe it is. I don't know what's going to happen, but first things first, we gotta get Imhotep's body out of here. We're going to get the weasels out of the bag. Roll a d20. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. And sh nine. No. <laughs> <laughs> and yakety sax. No, you don't. Get back. Nope, nope. Roll sleight of hand to try and catch the weasel. Oh, sleight of hand. Damn it. Frick. <laughs> he rolled a two. I have a three, but it's a minus one, so it's a two. Oh. And the weasel flashes out through the window and begins to try and make a run for it outside. Oh my god. It's last episode all over again. Well, good talk. Ah, <laughs> uh, not again. Oh, I can't believe I'm fucking doing this. I just burst through the door, breaking it off. And I'm just like... <laughs> so through a series of hilarious escapades, you and the weasel are bobbing and weaving and running up and down the streets, and you can make another sleight of hand check to try to wrangle the weasel as it tries to dodge. 
15. I rolled on behalf of the weasel and that was a 14. So your 15 wins out, you are able to catch the weasel. Ooh, I shove it back in the bag again. Trying it again. 12. Okay, with a 12, it is just Imhotep. <sighs> okay. Ooh, wipe sweat off my forehead. <laughs> so I take Imhotep's bones back into the hut I was in. I put a sheet over it as nicely and respectfully as I can. And I put my hand on his head and I just whisper, I will bring you back soon, my old friend. That, I promise. And I crack my neck. I'm like, all right, let's get that javelin out. You ready? Ready. And I rolled a 14. 14, the javelin comes out okay. I have it away from my body, like death grip on it, just in case I turn into a weasel. One eye just like pokes at it, is like, is it a weasel? Oh, it's not a weasel. Okay. Now, nothing else is in there that we need, right? Where is the broom? I was about to ask that. Who has the broom? I think I still have it. Okay, so it is not in the bag. Sweet. Everything else is vague at best. We have a marker in there. My toast. That was eaten. <laughs> so happy. Right. That was a Vordenberg snacky. We could get you toast a different time. <laughs> my my soup and broth. <laughs> <gasps> oh, Mary, speaking of Vordenberg, another kind of side quest I'm going to try and figure out. And again, I need the stupid book. Um, I want to find a way to try and rescue Vordenberg's soul from Dracula. As much as I don't want to rescue him after what he put us through the first time we met him, I think you're right. He's not a bad, like you said, we all make mistakes in our past. And he did try. He saved Carmilla. He sacrificed himself. So I think the best we could do is try and rescue him. I won't deny that Vordenberg, even when he was a soul in a lamp, has helped us quite a few times. He and I, we have unfinished business, but... He doesn't deserve to go through the tortures of being a part of Dracula. I hand Larry the bag. Take that to Marlo. See what he can do to uncurse it so we don't have to deal with those damn weasels again. You got it. I'm going to try my best and see what I can do with this javelin here. Good luck. I hope you succeed with the spear. Thanks. And Larry, you're not a monster. You are far stronger than I ever hoped to be. I'll make a deal with you. If I'm not a monster, then neither are you. Deal. And one point of inspiration for the road for both of you. Oh, yay! yay! Thank you. Thank you. Now let's go to hell and check in on Imhotep. All right. So back in Nessus, in the bottommost layer of hell, Imhotep, you have just caught back up to your boulder. <laughs> I see you in the he was gross and greasy. There's a reason that I keep him very close by. Because you like the grease? No, you know the old expression, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Mm. Yeah, I can understand that. There are no friends in hell. Just gross cats. Okay, got it. <laughs> you are sure? There is nothing else I can do about this thing? Shockingly, this is the most simple and straightforward way. Yeah, I believe that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, that's what... 100,000 steps! <laughs> Only 100,000 more to go! Best to slurp his feet out of the ground because that was a thing that happened with Mephistopheles. Thanks for the sound, bud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. Here, here, here. Let me, let me, let me, let me. I'm loving listening to these sounds of slurping and struggling. It's really great. Right in my ear holes. <laughs> You're more than welcome. It. I'm very happy to, to supply. So, as you make your way struggling through Nessus, montaging past it, to rolling up that hill, to 5,000 miles, to... That was going to be the next one. To whatever long-distance travel music. You make your way up the winding, cliffside, rickety, wooden stairs of Nessus, taking an agonizingly long amount of time before you finally make it back to the base of Cania, the eighth layer of hell, and making your way up the snowy, stony walking path towards the spiraling vortex into Mephistopheles' lab. You make it another several hundreds of thousands of steps, agonizingly long as the cold wind and storms are whipping and rushing past you. Kind of stops outside because he knows the rules that he made that if he goes back in, he's gonna have to get another random effect. <laughs> I love cats. I like cats. Cats like me. Cats are my friends, right, cats? Make a charisma saving throw. Saving throw? <laughs> uh, that is a 17. So, uh, no interference from your patron as you say, cats love me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Rolls into the Mephistopheles <laughs> lair. Here we go. All right, Jordan, over to you. <laughs> so, you finally get the boulder back into the lair of Mephistopheles. Oh, it has not been long enough. Uh, and you see the little grimy cat shadows are kind of flitting and fleeting back and forth until you see that same one from before walk up to you and just, ah, he, you're back so soon. Would have gone forward if I wasn't all greased up. So slimy. <laughs> uh, we didn't mention anything about the side effects of coming through here. Side effects? Yeah, side effects may include uh just trails on forever. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so are you ready to spin the wheel on the magic again to see what you get this Let's time? Spin the wheel. Oh, that's a four. <laughs> Amazing! A uh, character must only answer questions with lies unless they are asked about the reason for this behavior. Uh, example, you are cursed, are you lying on purpose? In which case, they must respond in the affirmative. So I can only answer questions with lies now? Yes. Unless the question is, why are you lying to me? Yes. <laughs> well, this makes future things interesting. Oh, God. I'm gonna have to make a note of that. Does, does that mean he wants more grease? Absolutely! You got it, buddy. No, 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 I'm gonna keep pushing the boulder out before they get a chance to breathe to put more grease. As you make your way past this onslaught of grease. <laughs> never going to come out. Takes a moment, last, like, swing it out of his ponytails. <laughs> and you push the boulder out of the laboratory, and you finally start to make your way to the upper half of Cania. The storms are continuing to rumble, the path continues to be snowy, and it winds and stretches extremely far off into the distance, still sloping up dangerously. 
you do start to see a little bit more activity going on around you. The bottommost layer was completely barren and abandoned, and leading up to the laboratory, most everything was hunkered away from the storms. But now that you are starting to reach the other side of it, you're starting to see off in the distance, they are still avoiding the walking path, but you're seeing more lesser devils doing their duties and responsibilities and watching you from a distance. And as you start to make your way up the winding, snowy path, there is one cloaked figure that is very gaunt and scraggly and surrounded by imps. That oh God, is a tall, stretched out man. <laughs> man who's too long. Man who's too long. And this man who is too long <laughs> takes a very long time to stand up. A concerningly long time. Is it because he's going slow or because he's just that tall? It's both. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> Surrounded by lesser imps that are running circles around it and chittering to themselves, chattering in confusion and indecisiveness, spiral around it and continue to keep a small radius as this cloaked figure leans down and looms over you and says, a friend from up above sends their regards. Do you require help? Oh God. Gritted teeth? No! I'm totally capable of pushing this boulder by myself! <laughs> oh no! Thank you, though! Your resilience is admirable, but are you looking for a way out of the hells? Banging his head against the boulder? No! I'm just looking for the places where it's a little bit warmer to set up camp for the time. <laughs> then I shall leave you be. Oh, oh man. <laughs> but I shall still leave you with a parting gift from your ally up above. And he drops in front of you a signet ring that is silver and spirals into the shape of a skull. Go ahead and add to your inventory a witch's ring. Mm. I knew that voice was sus. That voice was sus. Sussy, sussy. And I will tell you what that does in a moment as this man who is too long <laughs> is then flanked by a large ice-covered praying mantis-looking figure. Oh, no. That clambers and skitters down over the snowy hilltops and bellows you do not belong here. Leave this place now. And man who is too long says, My help was refused regardless. I shall be leaving this place and shall respect your borders and authorities for the moment. And he vanishes and all of the imps are chittering and scattering to themselves in confusion and concern. And this... Icy devil turns, looks to you, puffs out his chest, holds out a spear, and signals for you to move along. He turns very well, and I just keep 
pushing the boulder. Uh, first, he slips the ring on. Okay, before you slip the ring on, let me tell you what it does. I was going to say, now that I'm thinking about that, I might just put it in the bag for now, if I have a bag still. What it grants you, every spell that you cast is considered to be one level higher. Ooh. Okay. So permanently, all of your spells are upcast. Okay. Except if it is used against a witch or a witch's allies, in which case all of your spells are considered to be one level lower. And you have disadvantage on any saving throws against effects cast by a witch or a witch's immediate associates. Does that affect cantrips? Because some people argue that cantrips are level zero spells. It uh, does not affect cantrips. See, I'm really, really upset about the curse that I just got because while I might not have accepted the help, I wanted to know who this was and who he was assisting. Because this is sus as fuck. It's so sus. I'm so sorry. Because <laughs> this doesn't feel like, you know, my patrons. I'm going to slip the ring into the bag for now. Because he's just like, yep, we're going to keep moving. No, no time to think. And just keep, keep on rolling. So as you continue to make your way up this hill, this icy praying mantis devil eyes you suspiciously, grits his teeth, and growls as you walk past, holding the spear out, looking for any sign of trouble. You continue along up the hill, and the storm lessens, but the winds pick up. Okay. And as snow continues to drift around you, you start to make your way towards the mouth of a cave where you can see very faintly the edges of technology and a more metropolitan layout within the confines of the cave. And completely surrounding the cave are another five of these ice devils <laughs> that all are staring down at you, holding up their spears. One of them at the lead says, you're not going to be any trouble, are you? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was thinking of going in and stealing everybody's left shoe. <laughs> While he's saying this, he's got these great big, like, pleading eyes, and his teeth are great. <laughs> That's weirdly straightforward of you. Nobody's ever that straightforward here. <laughs> and then one of them jumps down and starts to skitter their way closer to you. <laughs> if I may have a moment without questions, without questions, it is very important that are not questions. I will explain what I Why can. Why do you insist on our not asking questions? <laughs> because interrogations make me very uncomfortable. Wait, so he likes interrogations? Good to know. No, uncomfortable, Grayson. Uncomfortable. Dan, I'm so glad that you you, you heard the curse and you said, oh, I'm going to make this the worst again before <laughs> Well, I want it noted that I really like the fact that Daniel was the one that had to rhyme. And now he has to lie. Yeah. This podcast is just give Daniel the most terrible time possible. That's really, that's our only constant. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you have one moment to convince me otherwise. Speak your piece. 
Big scary devil cat person made me curse thingy. I cannot tell the truth if you ask me a question. So when you said, are you going to do anything? I responded with, yes, I'm going to steal everybody's shoe. I don't want to steal everybody's shoe. I have a giant boulder I need to push all the way to, to a So let me get this straight. Oh no. When you say you can't tell me anything truthful, was that the truth? Oh. <laughs> it was a question. <laughs> No, it was another lie. You're so clever at figuring me out, giant playing mantis person. Why are you adding flavor? You're not. <laughs> not. <laughs> oh my god, I can pull the Pinocchio. <laughs> it's not, not not necessarily true that it might be a thing that is happening. I cannot confirm nor deny. Yes, exactly. Malicious compliance of the curse. Oh. All right, one more question. You're here to speak to Balzabul, are you not? No, I'm here to speak to Auditor Uzdos. Who's that? I don't know, it's just a name that came to mind. Okay, so when you say, <laughs> I said, are you not? So when you oh. say you are not, is that an affirmative or is that a denial? <laughs> his head against the rock. Dan, I'm so glad you played these guys. <laughs> We were having a discussion on who was going to do it, and I was like, I'm not very combative. You got this. And then the other four ice devils that are all surrounding the cave are looking to each other with confusion and saying, I've kind of lost the thread on this one. I don't know if he's lying or if he isn't, but something's really weird about this whole thing. I don't know if we should keep badgering him. Of course we should keep badgering him. That's our job. I Look, I like my job as much as the next guy, which is to say, <laughs> not at all. But... I think that we should just do what we're paid to do. You're getting paid for this? I just do it for fun. I mean, I'm paid in the fun and in the suffering and torment, but... Can I try to do a stealth check with the giant boulder to get past yes. the water bickering? Uh, roll stealth. <laughs> uh, that's a 12. God damn it. Giant boulder, what do you expect so, of me? So, with a 12, uh, you make it about halfway to the cave mouth, and then one of the ice devils from up top looks down at you and says, Hey, what do you think you're doing? Um, going for a lovely stroll where I was hoping to catch everybody's attention. Look, aren't I fabulous? And he flicks the ponytails out. <laughs> that is pretty fabulous. You wouldn't punch a guy in a skirt, right? This walk isn't beautiful, it's miserable. Of course this guy's lying. <laughs> <laughs> His hair is so greasy. They all kind of look to each other and then they they all go, oh, no. oh he was telling the truth. I, I mean, lying. Well, Thank telling you. the truth about I, lying, which was I, I, a lie. To, is, and, eat, uh. and then they all get back to babbling on in their confusion <laughs> and you are able to continue moving. <laughs> Let's jump over to Invisible Man. When we last left you off, you were chatting with Marlowe, so is there anything else you want to say to him before moving on? Um, real quickly, I remember you said that Rainer was going to be a tricky one. What happens to a spawn after it's gone? I don't like the implications of this question, but typically, a normal spawn will simply vanish into nothingness once they are slain. True vampires tend to be a little bit trickier. We have a certain amount of ceremony that needs to go into it. There's a whole song and dance. We we like to be a little bit more complicated about these things. Uh, at least in this brief moment of time, I'll just say that Jack kind of relays all the information that we've gone through. Well, fine. I'll give you an extra 30 for all of that. But that does raise some interesting implications. 
he was messing around with blood hunter magic and doing all of this soul manipulation. Yeah, and Dracula apparently jumped ahead on the soul part, and it wasn't 100% complete, so maybe there's something that leaves him slightly vulnerable. Well, that does lead me to one very tricky conclusion. If he's attempting to bond with the soul to claim it for his own, he will have to, of course, overcome any of the personality that is lingering within it before it fully and truly becomes his own. But if he can do that before the soul disintegrates, and if he can shove that soul in a cage, then that is a path to lichdom. Thank you. Um, I, uh, I think we've got our work cut out for us. I hope for your sake I'm wrong, but that happens so rarely. Anyway, I have a trip to prepare for, so I'll take my leave. And then Marlow walks away. He starts walking down to the carriage. Uh, oh god, I can't believe I'm gonna do this. Willingly talk to her. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. oh no, it's fine. I, you know, oh I just, God. I, I only was so spicy today. In context, Jack has tried to wingman you, and all it's ever been met with is chides and teasing. So he just assumes that you guys don't get along at all. Oh, uh, that's so sad. Wait, wingman for who? Doesn't matter. It's already passed. <laughs> if if you have to ask, then you don't. Like, it's a, it's already passed. So, how you doing over there? Ah, uh, you know, just hanging around, <laughs> as usual. Carmilla just sort of looks off at where Gonzo is uh, talking with all of the other patrons of the nest and the townsfolk arguing over the pettiest things. And she just feels her heart squeezing in a way that she hasn't... Uh, felt in many a long, long year. And immediately behind Gonzo, Orlok starts to walk by, makes eye contact with you, and then quickly awkwardly looks away and just walk, turns around and walks the other direction. <laughs> oh, God, I just want to fucking tear him away from him. <laughs> that is my friend, thank you very much. I will die on the hill that I appreciate Orlok. <laughs> That is Daniel's best friend right there. Don't you dare. That is my favorite of the NPCs. <laughs> and you did die on that hill. You did. I did, in fact, die you on that did. hill. And I would do it again. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> so, uh, you think if we take his blood, you'll get as strong as that other guy? The only thing I want to take from him is every single memory that he's ever given me. What happened? Is there a tipping point that turned you two against each other? You know how a vampire is born, do you not? As far as I'm aware, I'm gathering that someone is bitten, potentially not killed, and potentially turned? It can be worse than that. Do you ever get the feeling that you're being watched when you're making your way home from somewhere as inconspicuous as church or the library and you keep turning around feeling like not just someone's watching you but every window has a face in it the feeling of paranoia as if every mirror were looking back at you <laughs> a long time ago yeah 
That is the bloodthirst. And this is projected by a vampire who doesn't just want you for what you look like to them, but it is your soul that they want, what you mean to the people around you. They want to harness it and make it theirs, to twist it. My name is one of those things, you know, vampires. We, we twist our names according to how our sires twist us. Malarca, Parmilla, any other dozens of anagrams you could put together and tear apart and fix back together again. That is what he's done to me. And every time I see his disgusting face, I just remember the way that he turned me into him. And Carmilla, like, punches the side of the carriage and, like, puts a hole in it. <laughs> Whoa, Kyle moment. <laughs> Sorry, my strength just uh, got away from me. If, uh, I, again. Maybe in the next fight we can direct that at, at an enemy instead of our carriage. <laughs> As you punch a hole in the carriage, it draws a certain amount of attention. And Marlo says... I hope you know I'm not going to be sitting on that side. You're you're reaping the benefits of your own problems here. Don't worry, we'll we'll fix it. <laughs> Actually, no. I just I'd rather you not come if you're going to be like this. Could you maybe chill out a bit? Oh, you want me to chill out when my blood is cold? I mean, my blood's also cold, and you don't hear me complaining about it. You don't hear me complaining about it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I. I'm sitting there awkwardly going, um, excuse, excuse, pardon, Marlo, Marlo, can, can you please, the, the bag we, we talked about earlier, can you just, like, can you fix the bag? Bring it to Maledict. If I please. knew how to remove curses. <laughs> trying that... not to get in the middle of this awkward conversation. Is, is he at your house? I don't know where he went. I don't know where he went either. He's, oh, he's over there in the anti-magic circle. So just bring the magic to the anti-magic and I... I'm sure he'll be able to magic a way out of it. Okay, <laughs> okay. Just sweating, about to go into the direct conflict of the town. You know, today is my birthday. Is this one that you'd like to celebrate, considering your relationship with vampires in general? How do you mean? Oh, you seem so hostile. <laughs> I didn't say that it was my birth of being a vampire day. I died that day. So it's your actual birthday. According to my gravestone, yes. Well, I see you, Orlock. Where are you going? <laughs> I was just hoping that this was a better time. I mean, I, I saw some of the aggression be let out, and I, I just wanted to say a few words to Carmilla. So I, if now is a bad time... It's up to Carmilla. State your peace, you filth. All right. Um, look, I, I would really rather this just be kept private, so um, Lord Bronte, Mr. Bandage Man, if you two could just <laughs> take a few steps away. Marlo says, I don't even want to be here anyway, so go ahead and talk to the spawn. Uh, you said her name was Carmilla? Oh, whatever. Oh. I'll go deal with whatever's happening over there. Carmilla, your call. Do you want some time with Orlock? Or do you want me to stick around? Carmilla is extremely conflicted because she is so curious as to what Orlock could possibly have to say to her. And there is a part of her also that is scared of him. Jack could always uh, just get naked. I was <laughs> going to hint to that. Uh, he's going to hide 
a part of his face from uh wait could could he go invisible like oh my god let me get to it (laughs) jesus fucking christ jack punches the carriage there's another i'm gonna fucking punch the horse and kill myself (laughs) all right that's that's a little over dramatic it doesn't need to be that big of a deal look if you really want to stick around i no no it's just uh, jack would you uh yeah i i got you thank you and uh he's going to walk away to around the building go invisible and then he's just gonna be chilling right here uh jack roll perception perception i don't want to <laughs> don't want to perceive Ooh, that's actually that 20 Ooh. oh my god i've never seen so well before <laughs> with a nat 20 as you hide in the bushes or the trees or wherever it is you're hiding, as you kind of push some of the branches away to make sure that you've got a good vantage point, you notice the spot on your arm where Rainer splashed you with some of that temporary visibility serum, and it's still visible. You can see a small patch of your skin, and it's slightly bigger than you had remembered. At least while I'm hiding, I'm going to try and cover it with my invisible hand. But I'm certainly going to be distracted now. Just to get this straight, you're covering the visible hand with the invisible hand. Because I'm assuming that the invisibility covers the visibility because that's kind of what I've got. I'm going to roll just a straight d20 for luck to see if covering something visible with something invisible physically works. (laughs) Because it's just his skin that's invisible. It's actually more visible now. It's like you're put it's like you're holding a magnifying glass over it so it's even larger. Oh, it like refracts the light. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I'm just a naked guy hiding in a bush. <laughs> so I will say with a nat one, you keep yourself covered for now. Uh oh. But you get the sinking feeling that this isn't going to be a problem that just magically resolves itself. To Carmilla and Orlok, Orlok says to you, look, I know things have been kind of awkward and tense between us, and for good reason, I understand why it is that you have the feelings toward me that you do. I just want to make sure that we can both go our separate ways and just be cool with each other. I've stayed out of your hair, Carmilla, every single time you've been in this town. I stayed out of- Hair about you staying out of my hair. I want you out of my head. Well, that sounds like a you thing. <laughs> Look, I, I know I had a lot of ambitions when I was younger, but in my older age, all I want is a little respite. So if I can just be left alone, that's all that I want. Fine. May you be alone forever and ever and ever. She walks away. Oh, so dramatic, just like you always were, Carmilla. Uh, I'm glad to be out of your hair. Wait! 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 You... You know, you remember me. Why do you remember me and no one else does? Wait, does does no one else remember you? No, not a soul. Except for my my friends and and you. But no one else remembers. Dracula took all of it. For himself. Interesting. I could... Uh, I, my, my memory isn't the way that it used to be, but if I do some real digging, I might be able to try to figure something out about that. 
Why would you help me? Because I want you to leave me alone. <laughs> and you've been so rude to me this whole time. <laughs> so if I do this one good thing, I know it doesn't make up for the whole history of everything that we've been through, but if I do just this one thing, then will you leave me alone and not make a weird passive-aggressive remark every time you see me? Fine. Thank you. I realize why I love him. He's just a cranky old man like him. What Relatable. God, I feel this vampire. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just give me a few days. I'll ask around to try to get access to some of my old books. I, I sold most of them once I lost my house, but <laughs> I'll see if I can piece a few things together again and just don't go anywhere. Be, be in close proximity so that I can get you when I have everything figured out. And Carmilla nods and she is so confused. I mean, like, I kind of get it. <laughs> like, trying to get your ex to leave you the fuck alone at parties. <laughs> I'm not going to say have a good day, because I don't think you will. But <laughs> just go back to your business. <laughs> and then he walks away. As he's walking away, uh, Phantom's going to see him and be like, Oh, hey, it's the ugly, poor spider vampire. Ew. <laughs> Emotep suddenly gets a burst of speed and pushes even faster. <laughs> That's what does it. That's what revives Emotep. <laughs> Orlock just sighs. And says, yes, I know, but you don't have to be so rude about it. <laughs> and then continues to just slump oh, away. I do feel Car Carmilla is hit with like a pang of pity for the first time in her life. <laughs> so with that whole exchange, does that mean that you're not going with us to the masquerade? Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, hello. Oh, you were there for that whole thing. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes, I know. Goddamn <laughs> invisible bastard. No, I I just need to stay here for a couple of days. Kind of figured that you'd probably be one of the few that would really enjoy yourself there. Um, not to counteract this uh, exchange, but I also had a kind of a selfish question. Sure. Anything. How's Abraham? He's decided to integrate with me. So he is as much a part of me as... I am a part of him, I guess. It's hard to say. I can sometimes feel emotions that may not necessarily belong to me, but yeah, Jack, he is, he is no longer consciously here, but he exists in the unconscious, which is everywhere, really. I'm sorry, Jack. Would Jack accept a hug from Carmilla? Kind of awkwardly stands there, waits for it to be done, <laughs> and then kind of like heads out. Back over to Imhotep. And now I will hand it off to Jordan as once again, this is one of her layers. Yay, had most of the bottom layers. <laughs> so as you roll yourself up out of the oppressively magical air of Cania, you make your way up and start feeling a temperate breeze hit your face and something kind of mimicking sunlight hits your skin. And you see to either side of you around your giant boulder, a vibrant city with gardens and bridges and streams. It's beautiful up here. It's lovely. In harsh contrast to this very scenic, picturesque uh, village, all the roads lead to this 
ever-expanding, blocky, brutalist citadel. And at the very, very top of that citadel, there looks to be this elaborate golden palace. And so you make your way and you're rolling down the city, you're rolling down these lovely cobble streets, uh, the fresh smell of flowers in the air, the trickling of streams, and you make your way into the citadel. And there's a lot of files and a lot of stairs. Uh, here we go again. <laughs> and you're rolling it up and you see all these little tiny like clerk imps are running paperwork back and forth. They're not really paying you much mind as you go up and up and up for what seems like forever. You eventually find yourself in front of these giant 20 foot tall golden doors. These doors swing open for you. And in the back of this room, you see the inky blue form of Ball. Their wings are just outstretched. They're kind of lazily lounging across a very regal couch. Ball is decorated in gold jewelries and silks that are elaborately draping around them. Kind of in a fashion that's not too dissimilar to the old Egyptian styles. And this form makes eye contact with you, stands up and stretches and yawns and goes, Oh, hello soul. Hello, tall, pretty person. I mean, devil person. I mean, yes. <laughs> Flattering fashion everywhere here. And mind you, I love your gold and ribbons. Oh, why, thank you. It was part of my, uh, we, we in the, the Temple of Osiris had a flair for the theatrics and it was just decided, you know, it was a good look. Flex the ponytail again. <laughs> Very nice. A man of Osiris. And what might be the reason you have come to see me today? Oh, no. <laughs> I just wanted to visit. <laughs> Is that so? <clears throat> and Bulk gets up off their couch and walks towards you, just this giant form, and looks down at you and says, Are you covering priests? <laughs> <laughs> no. I see. You just came up from the lair of Mephistopheles. No, I came down to here. <laughs> you see, in my good old days, they called me the Lord of Lies, so I can see what's happening with you right now. Oh, thank the gods. <laughs> Are you able to tell me the affliction of your curse? He kind of takes a moment. Y yes? Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, I can. I am compelled to lie. Unless speaking about the curse of having to lie, it was definitely entertaining for some sick, twisted individuals. <laughs> I see. Mephistopheles is a disgusting, foreboding place. I'm so sorry you had to go through all that. But please come in, come in. Starts pushing the boulder again. I imagine you are here because of some errand of Asmodeus. I will not ask that as a question to hopefully subvert your curse here. Yes, uh, the Devil Lord Asmodeus has tasked me to speak to all the Devil Lords and push this monstrous boulder slips feet up out of the floor again real quick. 
And I have to push it all the way up. I can imagine your soul will be very strong. So... How to phrase this as not a question, damn it. You're being nicer than Dan was. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Tell me your reason for following his bidding. I have business on the mortal plane that I have yet to accomplish, and I have someone whose neck I might need to ring out, depending on how he reads a book. I would love to assist you in that. So let me see here. I know you will answer me at lies, and that's completely fine. If anything, I appreciate a good lie. Well, then I will make the lies as fun and fancy as I can. I believe you will. So, do you believe Asmodeus will really allow you out of here by pushing off that boulder? Mm. Oh, I know what he's doing. Oh, shit. I I think he will do it completely willingly. There will be no strings attached upon my reaching the end of this trial. <laughs> of course, I couldn't agree more. Did you sign a contract with him? Did I sign a contract with him? You did not. I absolutely signed a contract with him. Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. Fascinating. So, you do not believe the good Devil Lord Asmodeus will allow you to reach the top of the boulder, and you did not sign a contract with him confirming that you would allow you to let go. Now, I imagine with this boulder, you're supposed to get some sort of stamp or okay or some key from the various Devil Lords who allow you to pass through their legs. No, you need to step on it. Very good. Let me take a look at your boulder here. And he gives it a glance over. I see the good lord did not leave his stamp on your boulder. Fascinating. Suddenly he, like, you know that video of Bert lifting his head up and is turning his head as his eyebrows slowly? That's Imhotep right now, as he's hitting this realization. <laughs> so, Arvind Lord, that you have not made a deal with expects you to push this boulder all the way up to the tippy top of hell, just for you to reach Zariel and have her kick it down all over again. Now you see it. My lie has been on the past. I am a good, honest devil, and I would love nothing more than to get one up over on our good friend Asmodeus. Could you also do something about the cat while you're at it? Oh, I would love to destroy a cat. It is <laughs> So yes, I think we are in good company here, my little lying friend. I will let you pass through my lair, unaffected. I do ask that you help me find a way to get you out of here free of Asmodeus' control. Our good friend, quite recently, had gone missing for a time. You would think that us devil lord would have scrambled to try and take control of hell while he was out of office. But alas, the demon hordes were making their way in, and I learned my mistake from last time of trying to take over the hills while the incursions are happening. But if you, my friend, can find out why he was gone, we can work together 
and find a way to get you out of these hells without his talents wrapped around you. Would you like that? No. <laughs> Very good. I will play along with Asmodeus' games, as should you, until we can get any more intel. But if you would like to keep moving forward, I will give you my stamp of approval. Just next time you come through here, give me a piece of information you have learned about his absence, and I shall help you get out of hell without the Sisyphean feet. Do we have a deal? Do I have to directly answer right now, or can I, like, ask him a question? Yeah, I think that's fine. You mentioned that you are done with your lying. Yes. I hope it is of no offense that I do not trust much of your kind. No, it is very smart of you. None of us should be trusted. So then why should I trust you more than I trust the one with the boulder? Slurps his feet out of the ground again. <laughs> Well, you have called on me help before, though you did not intend to. Wait, are you talking about that time that I made Eric faceplant for no good reason? That was you? I will say I have had some dabblings in your devil's dealings, but I'm talking about way before that. Oh shit, you right! You hold my name into the air as you're faking against the undead. Oh my god! Oh yeah! And the lightning is not my special. I did crit on that attack. <laughs> <laughs> it took me some time. Uh, it would have kind of just sit there and, like, his eyes go wide and he's like, Oh! Yes, that's the shame with the name Ball for a deity. It's kind of the equivalent of your mortal's John. <laughs> oh, that is unfortunate. So you call that into the breeze and whoever is the closest by takes the call. But yes, I have helped you before and I'm willing to help you again. We have a common enemy here. Very well. If I find any information, I will pass it along to you. Very good. And you know what? I will hold off on the deal being made until you bring me that information. So without any agreements being in place as a gesture of goodwill, please move out of Malumini freely onto your next layer. And I hope to see you again. Part of me hopes that too. Part of me hopes I don't have to come back. But can I please get these stamp first? <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh, and he waves his hand in the air. And Dan, does a uh, Ball have a fun little symbol? The signature of Ball is etched into the boulder in the form of a fly spelling out his name. Okay. Very cute. Which is a fun little nod to the whole Lord of Lies, Lord of Flies thing, but also in practice is just the opening of the Jim Henson logo. <laughs> Very good. And as he does that, the boulder reduces in size by one eighth. I have a dilemma right now. You're gonna have so many dilemmas. This is the world of dilemmas. This is the, this is the dumbest dilemma. He looks at the boulder. He looks at Balls of Wool again and goes, "I need to get him to stamp it, don't I?" You could get him to stamp it now. I'm sure you'll see him again. Does he come to other planes? To other layers? No. But I imagine you're already up here. You might as well grab a few more of the yeah. boulders <laughs> and he just, before. He just keeps punishing the boulder. It'll happen eventually, unfortunately. Let's jump back to Mary. 
Ayo. As you have been sitting there, meditating, concentrating, trying to just do something to commune with this javelin, so far, nothing has really happened. You've been essentially sitting somewhat confused in this room, waiting for something to click. I, like, open one of my eyes, just look around, I was like, oh, okay, this is... How do they do this thing? <laughs> Seriously. How do I use you? <laughs> Shake it. Yeah, essentially just go, okay, I'll try again. Hold the javelin even tighter. A tune. A tune. <laughs> a tune, damn it. <laughs> and as you let out that last a tune, damn it, and you get a spark of anger that floods through you, a spark of electricity jumps off of your bolt and connects with the javelin, and you find yourself mentally reeling as you are thrown backwards into a dark and cloudy ether. Okay! Everything around you fades into a dull gray. You feel that the air is dry and there are dark clouds overhead, but you are still floating in a realm of nothingness as these clouds start to bristle against each other and spark with a little bit of static. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Hello? Anyone there? And what you are met with is a small crackle of thunder, and you faintly hear the sound of a heartbeat in the distance, and a faint choral chanting as you see the electricity begin to spark among the clouds. And as the clouds begin to agitate, those sparks cluster together and a bolt of lightning starts to crash down above you, but freezes in midair. Huh, that's interesting. And you see the spectral figure of the Saint Maria Van Helsing begin to appear beneath and behind this lightning bolt. I look up at her and go, oh, you probably heard what I said at the church, didn't you? <laughs> you may not think of me as pure and virtuous as she, whose name you've taken as your own, but do not let my presence here give you pause, and do not mistake the institution I am associated with for the mission that I uphold. Okay. I take it you're the actual spirit here in the javelin. Or am I... Where am I exactly? I am a manifestation. What you seek is the power of the storm. And my namesake was the crux and focal point of the last wielder of this javelin. If you wish to wield the power of the storm, then you must walk in his footsteps, though you need not follow down his exact path. So in order to wield this power, I have to essentially take up the mantle that Vordenburg did? You must uphold the ideals that he represented. You've shown much potential and have proven yourself capable of being a protective force for good. If you are to be granted this power, then you must be bound by the oath 
he swore, and use it for the good of all people, including those who persecute you. Mm. Oh. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Mary just like bows his head a little bit and just goes, do you mind reciting his oath to me one more time? His oath before he invoked the rites of Hemocraft and walked the path of the blood hunter was one of vengeance. I would encourage that you swear a more virtuous oath. So, if I were to swear oath, I get to make it on my terms. Because I want this power to protect those who cannot protect themselves. I want this power so that I may be able to stop the darkness that is encroaching upon this land. And I may be able to kill one really mean looking bloodsucker. And also to finally bring calm. I will be the storm that brings the calm. Whoa, yeah. the calm of the storm. The eerie silence after the storm has rushed through. And the spirit smiles. You and he have much in common. If you are to swear your oath and take on this power, I shall grant it to you. But you must abide by the tenets of the oath you swear. You must protect all people. If you will follow this path and rid this land of evil, you must do this leading by example. Can you be better than those who persecute you? Mary just looks up at the specter of Maria Van Helsing, closes his eyes and takes a very, very deep breath. By rights, I am the creature of Victor Frankenstein. By my own choosing, I have taken up the name of Mary after the first person to show me kindness in the very short light that I have lived. And on my name as Mary Frankenstein, I swear to prove to this entire world to be better than those who took her from me, to be better than those who want to take others away. I swear to slay the darkness to bring the calm that this world so desperately needs and to destroy any sort of evil that comes from it. This I swear, and I will take this oath and promise not to you, Van Helsing, but to Mary, to Larry, to Eric, to Jack, Carmilla, all of my friends, and even to my father, that I will protect them and be better than those who wish harm upon us and show them that there is a better way. If I have to be the lightning that strikes down our enemies, so be it. And I will be better than I was then. And I will be better than all of those, whether they believe in a God or they serve a church. If they wish to do harm on anyone, they shall see me and my thunderous fury. Then seek to slay evil in the hopes of turning it to light. Resorting to violence only when it will clearly save the lives of others in peril. Be the redemption that you seek. Show them their hypocrisy by being the better man. I swear. And as you say that, the thunder begins to rumble a little more, and the lightning bolt begins to, in slow motion, continue its path. And you hear 
And this last little flourish I'm doing for you, Ben. Mm-hmm. You hear the heartbeat louder and bassier as the chorus rings up. And as you hear the thumping of those hearts, that boom, boom, and the chorus ringing up. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> the lightning begins to creak closer and closer. Boom, boom. And the javelin descends down into your hands. And the Saint Maria Van Helsing speaks the words of power that echo in your ears that you, for the first time, are able to understand. How? Power of the seraphim, I invoke thee. And you are zapped back into the house with Imhotep, with the javelin in your hand and with the static coursing through you. I hold the javelin up and I just yell, Powers of the seraphim, I invoke thee. And as the lightning in full speed impacts you, you will lose two levels of Barbarian and gain two levels in Paladin. Whoa! Oh, shit! Yeah! Hell yeah! When you were saying Redemption, I'm like, oh my god, Redemption, oh. Redemption, I know where this is going! Yeah. Yes! Oh my god! And Mary just stands there, breathing heavily, holding the javelin. It is done. Larry in the next house over is currently hiding under the bed. <laughs> I was going to say, and as per Frankenstein, no one saw this. Because they're all behind buildings. Carmilla's dealing with her own stuff. <laughs> I was dead. And the cold, lifeless eyes of Imhotep are just kind of positioned in your direction. Imhotep's body is under a carton. <laughs> oh, poor Barry. And go ahead and heal for 4d6 as you take this lightning damage. Wow, that's a lot. Uh... And add the Javelin of Lightning to your inventory. All right, now let's hop over to Aaron. Phantom, take it away. So, uh, Jack, you feel a gloved hand uncomfortably land on the nape of your neck with just a little bit too much pressure. (laughs) And a half-porcelain face leans right up behind your ear and says... We need to grab Larry right now. I've got a fantastic bit of news for the both of you. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I will then propel Jack over to where Larry is emerging from the house. And Phantom has that kind of manic energy, remarkably uncannily affable. (laughs) So, like, it's the kind of energy that makes you itch under the skin. He's excited but on edge and you notice that from the book tucked under his arm there's like shadowy misty musical bars Mm. kind of spiraling up uh, with floating little notes but they don't look quite like musical notes but close Oh. oh what are these Don't worry about it. They're the solution to a problem I know we all have. (laughs) I took a little gander through a couple of these pages, and you know what? Oh, no. I think I know how to get a friend of ours back, but I'm going to need help from the two of you. 
There's a song, a song I'd like to sing, perhaps the most beautiful, but I need another voice to do it. Mm. A friend of ours, Marlo, just told us that who appears to be a beautiful opera singer, Christine's going to be in town. And I think I can pop Imhotep right back from wherever he is if you two will just help me get that voice. As you've been continually talking, my shoulders have been just like creeping up. My head has been descending down. I'm just in turtle mode, <laughs> cringing in fear. Don't you have that conch to help? Yes, I do have the conch. That's why I chose the two of you to get me and the conch in range, Jack. Got you. I've got to be within 30 feet. And unfortunately, any theatrician worth their salt knows to fear the phantom of the opera. So I can't exactly make my presence known. Given a little bit of time and resources, pretty sure we can figure something out. Wait, what are we doing? What are we doing? What is happening? I just need to borrow forever the voice of Christine um, Dye. Um, <laughs> and that will get our friend back. I promise. <laughs> can, can I roll an insight check on our friend here? Sure, roll insight opposed to deception. Uh, no! Be the 27, I dare you. <laughs> My insight's pretty good. It's a plus five, but a 15 ain't gonna do shit. It would take exactly a nat 20. It would still be less, but a critical success will beat out the 27. All right. Because uh, if I roll a nat 20, my insight is actually a plus seven. Oh, I have inspiration. I'm going to give it one more shot. I don't, I don't know. Should I even roll? I mean, you'd probably just help me out anyway. A 19. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I a 19. All right. I'm going to go ahead and do my first roll. Devil's bargain. I'm already in the dirt for a devil's bargain. And I will go ahead and burn a luck point because I actually really want to know. Nope, it's not meant to be. So you two are both extremely uncomfortable. Really, it is vile and upsetting. Um, I just want it like the uncanny nature of phantoms like smiling and treating the two of you with some respect. Mm -hmm. And that's just deeply unsettling yeah, on the face like of that. it. Well, considering <laughs> the past interactions. Yeah. Yeah, you haven't been nice to specifically me in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Phantom, if you remember in a previous conversation we had, I had already mentioned to you that I would help you with what you're attempting to try. And it's much appreciated. Uh, and so the both of you do believe me that we're going to go ahead and bring Emotep back. And I'm going to put one of you under each arm and like hold you close in a hug and be like, I'm just so excited for the wonderful things we're going to do together. I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious if I could make a small request. I do requests. Would I be able to take a look at that book? You could be with me. I just, I'm curious about the solution to the problem I have. You wouldn't be able to read it anyway, at least not with your sanity intact. We couldn't possibly lose a mind as sharp as yours, Jack. It's funny that you say that, but I'm willing to take the risk, considering as how we all have something to gain and lose. I'm not willing to take the risk. <laughs> I couldn't possibly. See you with the ball. Jack, roll sleight of hand. I was just going to say, can I? 
Can I do a help action and distract Phantom? <laughs> you bastards. <Yeah. laughs> you believe me that I'm going to save Emotep. You do. <laughs> well, I, I do believe that we'll save him, but you're up to some shit. Well, see, I believe Just you. because they believe that you're trying to save Imhotep doesn't mean they don't think you're hella suspicious. <laughs> yeah, you are so shady right now. So shady. Oh my god. Okay, hold on. Uh, uh, it's... It was the vocal fry, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. the Ursula talk. <laughs> it, it was the slime dripping from your voice. It was also you explicitly saying that you were acting very suspiciously. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it could have been. I got a total of 23. Roll perception, Phantom. Oh. Wait, I want to uh, distract Phantom and be like, hey, so tell me, uh, so you, do you know this Christine person? Are you excited to go to uh, the, the Roll opera? perception at disadvantage, Phantom. You two are mean. <laughs> wow, that sounds so fascinating. Oh my God. What? Is it two net 20s? It was an 18 and a 19 on the die. Plus four on an 18 is 22. No, it's 22! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> <laughs> what was your roll again, Grayson? What was your roll again? 23. Wow, I love it. <laughs> All right, so Jack, you swipe the Necronomicon, make a sanity roll. Or sorry, actually roll a D100 on the sanity table. I'm thinking the wrong system. Join our Patreon, figure out what we're talking about. That's a two. All right. For the foreseeable future, the character feels compelled to obsessively repeat a specific activity or physical tick over and over again, such as washing hands, touching certain objects, praying, counting coins. So up to you to flavor this, but you now have an obsessive compulsion. That kind of works with this character, too, because I'll say that he's probably been messing with his uh, visible patch. But, I mean, he's wearing his coat right now. Oh, yeah. Well, now he just starts tapping it slightly and then realizes that, oddly enough, makes me feel better about this situation. And then hides the Necronomicon and heads off into one of the houses. Well. Yeah, I don't know how uh, Phantom feels about Larry just all of a sudden, a million miles per second, just questions, 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 questions. Uh, Phantom, I'm going to say you will notice that the Necronomicon is gone. It's just a matter of when. Well, actually, I'm going to say the distraction is extremely effective because... I'm getting asked about Christine specifically. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. I know I know her as much as anyone knows her. Oh, do tell. She's very famous, of course, and as someone who appreciates course, the arts, I've yeah. had the privilege of hearing her sing on occasion. But that is all that there is to it, of course. Ooh, oh, so so you've just been a, a patron of her uh, of her shows before? Yes. Oh, wow, that's so nice. And while this is going on, Invisible Man, what are you doing with the Necronomicon? Um, mostly trying to look and see if there's anything that can help speed along the visibility process. Interesting. Or. What's the or? Or, I have another idea. Would it be too much if I attempted to do modify memory? Interesting. What specifically do you want to do? Have Phantom believe that only him and I have expressed permission to use this book. Holy shit. What the heck, man? 
You shady motherfucker. Plugging me out of it. What the heck? I don't know what you want to do or have planned for it, but also at the same time, you can just simply ask me to help. Now, the thing about that is modify memory is a fifth level spell. Right. Oh, shoot, So you would take on five levels of exhaustion. How many till death? Six. Oh, shit, dude. Are you sure? (laughs) Oh, well. That's a big ask. I, ooh, ooh, ooh. Here's what I'm willing to negotiate with you. You will get level three exhaustion. This will work. You will have more than one roll on the insanity table. And there is another bigger lingering consequence that I will not disclose. Yeah, let's do it. Consequences I don't know yet. Absolutely. Mystery box. All right. Roll a D100 two more times. Oh. Oh. And you have third level exhaustion. Okay, hold on. Let Let me notate that. But your modify memory spell will work. <laughs> I'm not the only evil party member. <laughs> oh, God, am I have to smack around Phantom and Invisible Man in the future? Oh. If you could catch me. <laughs> if you could catch either of us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first roll on the D100 is a 69. Nice. 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 Ha nice. ha, funny sex number. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and the next one, 77. <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's go. Okay, so the the first roll is kind of inconsequential because of the exhaustion. It's the same effect anyway. You experience uncontrollable tremors or ticks, which impose disadvantage on attack rolls, ability checks, and saving throws, which is what you get from level three exhaustion anyway. Sweet, double disadvantage. And then for your, you said 77? Yes. The character suffers from partial amnesia. Oh. <laughs> Oops, so you modify <laughs> your own memory, too. Oh, no. Yay! No. Jack doesn't know magic and it backfires. Oh, my God. It's like when Phantom hit the turnoff spell and it happened on himself. It's the same thing Look, again. Every time you cast a spell, you just got to remember to actually point it at something. <laughs> guys, 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 you got to point away or else it hits you. That's how the magic works. Because whenever you point at one person, there's three fingers pointing back at you. Oh, oh unless you do the Disney yes. point, then you're safe. <laughs> Anyway, Jack, thanks for holding on to the book for me. Good friend who's also allowed to hold the book. <laughs> Say what now? Oh, yeah. Uh, you okay, bud? You look a little, uh... I wanted to say glassy-eyed, but you're wearing goggles. <laughs> Wait, mechanically, what did you forget? I don't know. I was just kind of like... I was going to say is, something... So the way that you modify Phantom's memory, basically the same exact thing happens to you. So you have convinced Phantom that the two of you are the only ones with permission to look at the book. You have also convinced yourself that you have express explicit permission to look at this book. Sweet. Oh, damn it. Yay. So as far as you are concerned, this book is yours. Sweet. Ugh. But God that Eric it. also can look at it sometimes. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, As a treat for Larry having to put up with all this shit, an absolutely normal, not at all cursed or evil, piece of paper that was used as a bookmark slips out of the Necronomicon and lands at your feet. 
I pick it up. <laughs> it is a sketched drawing of Phantom's uh, masquerade ball outfit, and it is a flowing red robe with a is, cool skull mask. Is it the Red Death? Yeah! Yes! We are the outcasts, the misfits, you might say. We deal with the nightmares that you run away from every single day. We know the world is a gruesome little place. But us outsiders, we've developed quite a taste for the grisly and morbid, the ghastly and the horrid. We know it's awful, dreadful, but we like it. Just another haunted night, shrouded with unearthly fright. So when you're oh so terrified, you know who to call. The world is falling apart, we'll never take it to heart. So monsters and creatures and spirits and specters and all, let's all have a ball. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of D&D Dark, created, hosted, and edited by myself, Danger Dan Jers, with artwork by Jordan Nelson. Special thanks to our patrons, including The Lone One VA, Dire Beast, Sparks Witty, Pyropat, CJ, Harley Q135, Rusty Halo, and Pink Shy Guy. If you want to join our cult and hear your name entered into the pool of credit shoutouts, as well as get access to our fan Discord, bonus mini campaigns, and one shots, then head over to our Patreon and sign up for just five bucks a month. If you want to help us out in other ways, then spread the word to your friends and family, or leave us a review at ratethispodcast.com slash dndark. Dean Dark's cast this episode is Jordan Nelson as Larry Talbot, the Wolfman, Aaron Caulfield as Eric, the Phantom of the Opera, Daniel Cruz as Imhotep, the Mummy, Grayson Norman as Jack Griffin, the Invisible Man, and Ben Magnet as Mary, the Frankenstein Monster. This episode also featured Janae Pellerin as Carmilla Karnstein. Our theme song and outro is Let's All Have a Ball by Ryan White Maloney and Tony Carboni recorded at True North Studios Las Vegas. Additional music this week was provided by Middle Ages Music. Listen to new episodes of D&D Dark Wednesdays, anywhere you find podcasts. I saw Carrie a night, and she has lots of souls still trapped, so when we're all ready to go, I think we need to keep an eye out, because I don't think she's far behind. I would love nothing more than to take her down <laughs> oh, yeah. and watch as all those souls that she's trapped are free to go wherever afterlife they are destined for as she writhes in pain. And I'm going to be standing over her watching, smiling, and enjoying the look of her defeat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>